Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. And tonight we're going to continue with part two of preparing for a move of God. This is part two. And um, the last time we met, uh, I introduced a, a book to you called A New Outpouring, Azusa Again, written by our pastor, our senior pastor, Pastor Steve Howe. It's an awesome book. It's a small book, but an awesome, powerful book. And it, um, in it, it says, it's coming, it's coming, a fresh new outpouring of the Holy Spirit is coming. Azusa again. And I, I believe, like, like Pastor, we are in our last days. And uh, I know that God is expecting a vibrant, on-fire church to usher in this last great move of the Spirit. And so how do we prepare ourselves? How do, how do we become sensitive to the Holy Spirit? How do we rekindle the activities to even a greater degree of what happened in the book of Acts? And so last week we kind of turned into the book of Acts and we spent some time in there and we'll be spending some more time today in the book of Acts because that church in Acts was a phenomenal church. And so we want to look and see what was it that made them so phenomenal. And uh, if you remember, uh, I mentioned to you about the uh, disciples. Uh, we went to Mark 14, and we read chapter 14, how the disciples, even though they said they told Christ they would never leave him, but by the time he got arrested, they had all deserted him. Every last one of them had deserted him. And so we talked about these disciples because the disciples that we saw in Mark 14 were not the same disciples. They were the same persons, but the behavior was totally different in Acts chapter 2. As a matter of fact, when you look at Acts 2, there's something that happened to them. There was a transformation that took place. And now these disciples who were hiding in fear, all of a sudden now they are bold disciples. They're so bold that they don't have a problem standing before a crowd and there were thousands of people in Jerusalem for the, for the, for the uh, celebration. And they, there were thousands of people there and they didn't have a problem standing before all those people and declaring that not only is Jesus Christ Lord, but he died and was resurrected and they had become so bold that they didn't even care that the civil authorities or the religious authorities were against them as a matter of fact they didn't have a problem defying the authorities at all they were not scared of uh, threats against them they were not afraid of being um, of imprisonment Good heavens, they also courageously faced beatings and death threats to decree and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
Now, this, these people have changed drastically. Matter of fact, it was said that they had turned the whole world upside down preaching the gospel. And so nothing could stop them. They didn't back down from anything. They just kept moving forward. And not only that, they were determined to devote the rest of their lives, the rest of their lives, to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what was the difference maker? There had to be something that made the difference. And I'm going to tell you, they had witnessed quite a few miraculous things since the time Jesus went to the cross. Because at the crucifixion, fiction, remember, uh, it got dark. Uh, there was an earthquake. Uh, graves were open, and people who had died were walking around. The veil and the temple tore from top to bottom. Those were, you got to admit, those were extreme uh, circumstances. That didn't change them. They found the empty tomb where Jesus had been buried. Je Jesus was resurrected. They found the empty tomb. They saw the empty tomb. Okay? Jesus even came and talked to them, stood in the middle of them, had a conversation with them. And guess what? That's not what changed them. You would think it would, but that didn't change them, okay? So now, what does eventually change them to such a degree that they're not, they're not, they're not only not longer scared, but they're not, I mean, they're bold, they're ferocious, they don't back down from anything. So what has changed them to that degree? And I say the difference maker in their lives was the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That experience with the Holy Spirit transformed them. And if you go to Acts um, chapter uh, 2, and we look at verses, um, I'm just going to read verses uh, 1 to 4. I'm going to read those. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place, when suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest blast and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting and there appeared to them tongues resembling fire which were separated and distributed and would settle on each one of them and they were all filled diffused throughout their souls I love that when that says that diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other different foreign languages and tongues as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression and each tongue in appropriate words. So now they have had an experience and that experience is what we call the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But before I talk about that, I want to talk about another experience because you know, there, there, there are multiple ways the Holy Spirit operates in the life of a believer. And the first way is what we call the indwelling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Uh, if you go to um, John chapter 14, and I'm looking at verse 17, 
Uh, really, we're going to read 16 and 17. Now, this is Jesus talking here. And he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, a counselor, a helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. This is Jesus talking. He's saying the Holy Spirit is going to remain with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to its heart because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. That's Jesus talking. He will be in you. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, he's in you. If you are born again, if you have said the sinner's prayer, the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell. Indwell means to live in, right? Dwell means to live. Indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live in you. When does that happen? That's an experience with the Holy Spirit. The indwelling is one experience you have with the Holy Spirit. Happens when you're born again. When you say the sinner's prayer, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in you. And when he comes to live in you, he just uh, he comes he comes for a purpose. He's not just he's not this is not just for you to get goosebumps, okay? Or just get excited. The Holy Spirit of God lives in me. No, there's a purpose. He has a purpose. He wants to do something in your life when he comes to live in you. So if you go real quickly to Galatians 5. Go to Galatians 5. I'm going to get there quickly. Go to Galatians 5, and we're going to look at verses 22 and 23. Because we're talking about the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And it says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, and faithfulness. Well, for those of us from Sunday school, we learned that's the fruit of the Spirit. But what I find amazing, it says, it is the work which his presence within accomplishes. So he comes to do a work in us to make us loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, and faithful. He comes to do that work in us. Why is it so important that he do that work in us? Well, it's important because you are the only Christ people will ever see. Because you know right now Christ is where? At the right hand of the Father. He's already ascended up to heaven. He's on the right hand of the Father. So you are the only Christ people will see. And they will judge, in many cases, they will judge the church and they will judge Christ by what they see in us. 
That's a scary thought, isn't it? If we allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that he wants to do, see, we'll be kind all the time. Not some days, every day. We'd be patient on a regular basis. We'll be loving. Could you imagine uh, if you were in the workplace and uh, every time, you know, you have workers that, you know, might ask you for the same thing over and over and over again. You explain to them about 10 times and you just don't necessarily want to see them one more time. But could you imagine if every time that person came to you, you walked them through the same scenario with such patience and such loving kindness and such gentleness that uh, as a result, someone would come up to you and say, um, you know, I've been watching you for a while, and I'm amazed at how patient you are with this person. I'm amazed at how loving you have been with this person. What is it that makes you like that? And that's your opportunity to share Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. Those qualities draw, just like fruit, a good, a good looking piece of fruit. If you go into the supermarket, even if you don't like, um, let's say you don't like granny apples, and you walk in the store and they have the most beautiful granny apples you've seen in your lifetime, you, you stop by, you say, you know, I really don't like them, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some home and, and try them out because they just look so delicious. Fruit's appealing. Fruit is appealing. And so the fruit of the spirit, just like fruit in the store, the fruit of the spirit in your life, operating your life, is appealing. It draws people. It, want, it, 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 it almost beckons them, come, come. I know, I, I, I know the Holy Spirit, and he is going to help me teach you about Christ, the hope of glory. Could you imagine how you could turn your workplace upside down? The fruit of the Spirit operating in your life. Well, uh, you have the fruit, and that's what we call, say it again, it's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When does it happen? It happens when you say the sinner's prayer. It's automatic. You don't control that. It's automatic. You say the sinner's prayer, Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you, okay? And the main purpose of that is to make you like Christ. Then we have this second experience. And it is a separate and distinct experience. That's the experience we just got finished reading about in Acts chapter 2. It's a, it's a distinct and separate work. As a matter of fact, Jesus saw it as a, I know we don't talk about this often, but Jesus saw it also as a separate work. Because he had, uh, if you go real quickly to John 20, you see, Jesus wasn't skipping steps. He didn't skip a step. He didn't go from, you know, jump right to the infilling. He didn't skip steps. So if you go to John 20, and we're going to look at verse number 22. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. 
and uh, let's see, I'm going to read 21 first. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Just as the Father has sent me forth, so I am sending you. And having said that, he breathed on them and said to them, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. So they had the indwelling experience right there. So when Jesus tells them now to go to Jerusalem and wait, he's not talking about the indwelling because he's already breathed on them. They have already received the Holy Spirit. He tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait because he says that separate, distinct experience will empower you. And that's what the disciples need to know. It will empower them to do the work that Christ wants them to do, which is evangelize, change the world. That's what he wants. And how are they going to do that? By signs, wonders, miracles, healing. That's what they're going to do. They're going to do work. They're, so the, they need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so they're going to be, Jesus says to them, you're going to be bold witnesses. That's what he says to them. They're going to be bold witnesses unto him as a result of receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so when the day of Pentecost came and they got the infilling, now we see the prophecy that Christ gave them coming to, coming to pass because now they are changed. They are no longer the same. And why do they need all this power? Well, why do you need power in your life as a believer? You need power to live free from sin. It takes power. You need power over yourself and flesh. And I'm going to tell you what, self and flesh can really give you a hard time if you don't have power and control over it. You need power to live holy. Living holy is not easy. I, I've said this, I say this all the time. Doing what God requires in his word takes a lot of stamina. You've got to be a strong person. And the power of the Holy Ghost will help you do that. And then you need, you need the power to live according to God's word. But you definitely need power to be a bold witness for Christ. And one way that you are a bold witness from Christ is you lay hands on the sick and they recover. You cast out demons just like the, like the disciples did. You perform signs and wonders. You perform miracles. The disciples were so full of the Holy Ghost power that they walk by somebody. And they get healed. They have to touch him and get healed. That that that's that's from that's something we know nothing of. Okay? Because most of us expect the pastor to do that, okay? And maybe a few of the ministers do that, but the people on the pew, mm-mm. That is not an expectation that we have. So many times what happens is that. You receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And how do you know you received it? The manifestation of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is that you speak in another language. So you know you receive the infilling, but God never desired that you receive the infilling and then sit. 
that was not the purpose of the infilling. The purpose of the infilling was to empower you to serve. And when you're serving, you're not only, you're, you're meeting the needs of people around you, not just the people in the church. We're talking about the people in your neighborhood. And I say this all the time. Could you imagine what would happen if we started doing that? You would never have to have an evangelism campaign because people would be following you to the church house. As a matter of fact, you might be running to the church house so you can get one minute's arrest. But people would definitely be following you to the church house. Could you imagine what would happen if we just got on fire for God and allowed the Holy Spirit to operate? Well, I want to tell you, the people in Acts, uh, there was a couple of ingredients. You know, they did operate under the unction of the Holy Spirit. But there was a, I want to say, a main ingredient that they used to kind of stir that up and get it going. And that main ingredient was prayer. They prayed habitually. So you can't just ask for it. Yeah, you can't ask for the Holy Spirit. And God is so gracious, he gives it to us. But he did not give it to us for this, us to sit down and, and just enjoy the fact that we have the Holy Spirit. There's work for us to do. He wants us to do the work that he has called us to do, which is lay hands on the sick, not pastor, not Mrs. Howe. Lay hands, the people on the pews, lay hands on people who need healing. They, um, uh, they, and uh, there are places in the book of Acts, I'm going to give you some scriptures, and you can read that on your, on your, when you study time. But the church, they always pray. They prayed together as a church. The whole church prayed together. Acts 2, verse 42. You look at that. Acts 2, verse 42. The apostles prayed. And that's in Acts 1, 14. And Acts 6 and 4. The leadership prayed. Acts 13 and 3. Now Peter prayed. And they show, uh, that's in Acts 3 and 1, Acts 10 and 9, and Acts 30, 31. And then they, they, not only did they pray, they actually had specific prayers. God, give us boldness. That They actually prayed for boldness so that they could go out and do the work that God has called them to do, that they would not back down. When's the last time we as a church prayed for boldness, that we go out in boldness, okay? So, uh, so, and they, so what else? They, they prayed, but they also prayed for healing. They prayed for, um, for the release of their um, other disciples from, from prison. Peter's a good example. Uh, they prayed until they received the promise of the Holy Spirit, which God had promised them. But they were sitting. They weren't just in the or Jerusalem in the upper room just sitting. They were in the upper room praying, waiting for the promise. They prayed for boldness. 
They prayed and actually raised someone from the dead. Tabitha is a good example. And Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, they prayed so hard that God sent angels and it shook the prison. It's amazing. They knew how important it was for them to be totally tied to the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit gave them the words to say at the right time. He inspired them to speak boldly. They encouraged other believers. The Holy Spirit even gave them instructions on what to do and how to do it. The Holy Spirit has not changed in that venue. He still wants to lead us, guide us, direct us, teach us. He still wants to do that. We have to be open, and one way that we become open is by praying. As we pray, he'll talk to us. He'll spend time. Matter of fact, he'll even warn you of trouble ahead. The God we serve is so phenomenal and so awesome, and he loved us so much that he sent the helper, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in us. And I love the way, um, I'm going to go back to John 14, uh, because in the Amplified, uh, I like all the adjectives they give for the Holy Spirit. It says, um, uh, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. God has never called us to do all this by ourselves. He sent the very spirit, his very divine spirit, to dwell with us and so that we can be successful. There's no reason why we should not be doing the same things that the early disciples did because God did not change. The Holy Spirit has not changed. He's just waiting for us to get up and do something. And I tell you what, if we would begin by praying, just praying. Matter of fact, you know what? Let me, this is what I, what I, this is what I love. Let's go to Romans 8. Because if we would just sit and pray, we have a promise that the Holy Spirit's going to pray along with you. I mean, God's got this set up so that we can always win. Look at this. Romans 8, 26, it says, So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer or nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. Could you imagine this thing? I don't, I, I, sometimes I think we kind of, you know, uh, I don't know if we kind of um, try to put things in compartments or, or we, we've been too Americanized. Uh, we, we live in a society where things are too easy. And because things are so easy and we can easily, we, if we want a hamburger, we just go to, you know, the easy next drive through Anything we want, we can just pretty much, you don't even go shopping now. You can go online and order whatever you want, have them bring it to your house. It's made us have such an ease 
in our attitude uh, that I think sometimes we kind of forget that that's not how God operates. He's, he's got a plan, and his plan is to bring as many people into the kingdom as possible before he takes us home, okay? And so I'm thinking, you know, think about this. How awesome would it be, you know, God, God Christ comes and he's going to blow that trumpet for the last time and say, come on, church. And then on the way up, you join hands with everybody you witness to. Mm. Wouldn't that be a sight to behold? I mean, think about that from that viewpoint. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying, okay. But uh, just think. God operating in us to a degree that we would turn the whole city upside down. That people would say, I promise you, if you go to Kansas City, Missouri, there's a place I know of where they heal the sick, where they cast out demons, where if you have anything wrong, and that includes deformities, okay, that they will be healed, that no one would have to live with sickness because the Spirit of God is in a place and I, I, and I said this last week, I don't believe it's going to be in a place. I believe it's going to be outside the walls of the church. When churches come together and agree that they want to take this city for God, I believe it's going to happen when churches come together and start, uh, and start agreeing and decreeing over the city that this city belongs to Christ. And then we'll see some changes. We'll see some changes. And so, um, uh, you know, I, um, I, I'm going to stop there. I could go on and on. This, I, I just, I thank you for one, because this is my favorite topic in all the world. I love talking about the Holy Spirit. And so, um, but one thing I do want to make sure you understand is that the infilling is a gift. It's a gift from God. And when does it happen? It happens when you ask. The indwelling happens when you say the sinner's prayer. It's automatic. Now, I don't know why God set it up that way, but that's what he did. And then I'm okay with the way he does things, okay? So if you want the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you have to ask. It's really that simple. But there is a criteria the criteria is that you must be born again. You must know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.